This is not an expert podcast. Welcome to Not an Expert Podcast with Michael, Megan, Dev, and Kevin. This is Kevin. I am recording an intro for today's special episode podcast. Uh, if you remember correctly, on Wednesday, we intended to record two topics for one episode, but unfortunately, one of the topics ran a little bit long, so we decided to release it to you today on July 18th as a special episode. This one is a dev episode. He talks to us about all things space, specifically the Fermi Paradox, a lot of really cool things that we talk about and cool theories. So hopefully you guys enjoy and I will leave you to it. Thanks for tuning in. All right. That was a a cool topic, Michael. Yeah, I like that. I like My topic is about aliens. Oh, yes. Yes. Or the the lack thereof. If you saw Dev, if you know what he looks like, he can perfectly, like, he can perfectly embody that guy from the History Channel that says aliens, but his hair is longer. Every bit is frizzy. Yo, but long. He's also brown. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, he's also, yes. He's also not white, so there Th- is that. That guy might be but... Dev's favorite human on the planet. <laughs> Look, he, okay, literally, I think that that dude is actually pretty intelligent. He never, he's never one to say things for concrete, but he likes to point shit out. And he's like, mm. that's odd. Hmm, maybe don't you think it could be the other way? And, but it's pretty interesting because he's so respectful to people, you mm-hmm. know, which like, I don't know if I could do that all the time. So he went to, he went to Egypt. Okay. And he met this, the chief Egyptologist, Egypt, Egyptologist, Egypt. Egyptologist. I think, I think yeah, it's Egyptologist. There you go. <laughs> that, like, I don't know. <laughs> That's like appointed layer by the that state. Over. The top <laughs> Egyptologist in the state. <laughs> uh, and like, and obviously, they have difference of opinion. But he was very respectful, mm. you know? And I've seen a lot of his other shit. And he talks to, like... He talks to crazy people. He talks to legit crazy people. And he's like, yo, okay, I get it. I see what you're saying. He but can he's hop never on like, board the crazy train at yeah, a moment's notice. Yeah. I like that. I like that. You know? But have you guys heard of the Fermi Paradox? No. The, fur- the Furby paradox. The Furby, Furby yes. paradox? The yes. Furby paradox? The Furby paradox? I, I see your paper. Are those the things Furby paradox. that you can't feed after midnight? <laughs> I think you're thinking of The dummy dogs. <laughs> the Furbies. <laughs> Don't feed your Furbies after midnight. Do you, okay, as somebody who grew up with a friend who had a Furby, I personally never had one. But I'd sleep over at her house, and in the middle of the night, fucking Furby would come to life and be like, ah, that was it. I was always told that Furbies were so creepy. They are, because they just come alive, like... Is it you just don't randomly? Even look at them. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like yeah. a creepy Tamagotchi, but like it's yeah. actually there. Yeah, it's oh, like God. it just awakens, and you have no idea why. I don't like it. Yeah. No. Okay, so to start off, I just want us to take a second to get perspective, okay, of where we are. Okay, we are on Earth that is circling around the sun, okay, and that sun is in an arm of our Milky Way, okay? And our Milky Way is just one tiny speck in the universe, okay? So to give numbers, our Milky Way has anywhere from 100 billion to 400 billion stars, okay? That is just in our Milky Way, okay? And on top of that, the, there are so in 1990s okay you have heard of the hubble telescope mm-hmm. right so in the 1990s it came up with an estimate of a hundred billion galaxies in the observable universe okay in 2004 another experiment conducted by hubble came back with 200 billion as an estimate mm. but in 2016 researchers gather data from multiple papers and multiple different observatories and they think that the number is closer to two trillion galaxies galaxies with, in the observable universe 
with each probably at least a hundred to two hundred billion 100 stars. A hundred billion stars is the lower end of what a galaxy can have. Your head can't even fathom. Exactly. Bi- well, can't numbers, even fathom million with an M, billion with a B, or trillion with a T. Let me give you another. This, this is probably more indicative of. Now you know the amount. Now let me give you the area of which it's spread out in. Okay, so you've heard of a light year. Mm-hmm. We're all familiar with what a light year is, right? A light year is five point eight eight trillion miles. That's how long a light year is. Yeah. That is the amount of time light takes one year to travel. Okay, and. Our visible universe, and we do not know if this is the upper limit whatsoever, is 93 billion light years in diameter. Now, these are literally astronomical numbers, Mm -hmm. okay? And to even fathom something like this is impossible, okay? So... Um, th- these are just stats just to like, you know, be like, hmm, this is, We're very this is small. what we know. That's what we know. Right. You know, exactly. Right. And that's what this is a little bit about, as in that, how did we get here and what is going on? So the Fermi paradox is, I'll tell you what it is. Fermi paradox um, is about the number of stars there are let's just talk about our own milky way okay let's take a reasonable estimate of about 200 billion stars okay i think that's a lower end estimate and think about and it is sort of known that almost every single star has an earth-like planet you know Mm. almost like because our nearest one of our nearest star systems which is called Let's see, where did it go? Mm. But regardless, it has, they recently found out that it has seven terrestrial planets. Our solar system only has four. Mm. And five of them are the sizes of Earth, and they are in Earth, like, and they are in habitable zones. So they're in like the Goldilocks zones where you would find water to be in liquid state. And two of them, are in uh, are sort of the size between Earth and Mars, you know, and but they not necessarily can support. The, they're further out, so they might be colder. Mm. And it's this is crazy that how they find out like how Canada. planets exist in stars. <laughs> it's a planet so of Canada. Yeah. They look so. Imagine if you're looking at a giant glowing object, okay, and something infinitesimally small passes over it, right? The only thing you will detect is this small change in light. And because of that, you can detect that how many planets there are. And because of how fast they go around and they take data over multiple years to understand that, uh, you know, that these are planets that are causing this dimming. But that's basically how they know that stars have planets, mm-hmm. you know. And on top of that, you know, like, like I said, it's believed that every star has an Earth-like planet. Or the math turns out to be that there are that many planets. So it's hard to imagine that just in our Milky Way that we haven't met an alien civilization, you know? Or the general public hasn't met an alien civilization. Why are we not a part of a galactic super empire? Well, maybe, Why are we not in a Star Wars universe? Maybe we are. It's just in DIA. Just DIA is yeah, a part yeah. of it. Yeah, that's it. We need that's to go it. there and we need to find out this. Show mystery. us the aliens. Those bottom okay. bunkers. Yeah. So that's basically the paradox. As in like, the stats overwhelmingly say that, look, there's bound to be life. Okay. And to even on Earth, it's okay. So Earth was formed 4.5 billion years ago. Okay. Life, the first evidence of life, okay? And this was discovered in 2017. This is the most recent one, is that life could have came as early as 4.2 billion years. Now think about that. In a geological like time scale, that is an instant, right? 300 million years after Earth was formed, 
life just appeared you know that is if insane like that's such a short time so you would expect right over billions of years and the milky way has been around for even longer right so you would expect something to be there right or some evidence that we see like you know some sort of structures that we can detect you know even our ability to detect things is not that good right now but you know but even with how terrible it is we should have detected something right but we haven't detected anything we have had zero contact with outside you know like as far as the general public knows I read yeah. some theories as to why, and I don't know if that's the direction that you're heading. We'll talk about it. Okay, we good. Because it's it. very interesting as to why we haven't heard yes. anything. Let me get into the man himself, okay? How this thing became famous, okay? And I have this beautifully drawn portrait of this dude. You really are an artist. It's okay. not Elon Musk, I guess. No, it's... His, it looks, it honestly looks kind of like flat Michael Jackson. Have... Like if you flatten Michael Jackson's face... <laughs> His nose has only a bridge, but not the area where your nostrils go. <laughs> it goes straight up to one of his eyebrows. It's yeah. just whoop. It's nose eyebrow. But other than that, fantastic job. If you were hair. in my Thank art you. class, you'd get an A minus, because let's be honest, he still needs nostrils. Look, I, this is the Kepler Space Telescope. Okay. And I think I did a fantastic job of drawing it. Okay, you should look it up what it looks like, and I think this is pretty goddamn close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Enrico, Enrico Fermi, okay? This dude, we, th he was the chief scientist behind the first ever nuclear reactor. He and his team made the first ever nuclear reactor, okay? So one day, there he and his colleagues were just talking, and so he basically says, where is everybody? They were talking and they're referring to the lack of extraterrestrial life you know this was in the 50s so they knew a little bit about it they knew the what could be the grand scale of things right for them all these calculations were on the lower end right so they didn't even think of it like that and they were like yo what is where is everybody you know what is going on right so from there like have you heard of seti no search for extraterrestrial uh, institute, I think, uh, they actually are a multinational, like government funded organization that are in pretty much in charge of observing and, you know, like anything alien or foreign, you know, so they were formed like after that. And, you know, he was one of the members of it, you know, uh, so it's pretty cool. And this guy was a renowned scientist, you know, so he was pretty smart, you know, and he was pretty well known in his field. Is SETI still a thing today? Yes, SETI is still a thing today. Everyone <laughs> we, talks we about it. We got rid of NASA, but we keep SETI going. That make, that's... Well, look, you got to search for those aliens. Okay? <laughs> Elon Musk is like, I will personally fund SETI. I have my own SpaceX. We don't need NASA, to, but no. I don't have my own ET. He has to go find his family that dropped him off here <laughs> years ago. Yeah. He's searching for his family. Trappist-1. That was the name of the star system that I was referring to. And that's 10 light years away from us. So it's a relatively short distance, you know. So that's pretty good. At least if we had to leave Earth, we have potential candidates. We have some options. Yeah. How long would that take us to get there? With I don't the, know. Like, 1% of current? the speed of light, 1,000 years. Okay, that makes sense. We could do what they do in, uh, what's what's that movie? WALL-E? A generational it? ship. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably our best bet of space travel. It's not, I don't think that warp speed is going to be a thing for a very, very long time. Well, because the other thing that I've been reading is that if time travel or space travel, like, happens, it has to be time and space travel because otherwise, like, exactly. you would end up at yeah. a completely different spot in the universe than you intend like you would be to. in space. Mm -hmm. You'd yeah. be empty in space in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> like, even talking just about, like, on Earth, you would have to... Because otherwise, you punch in the date, but you'd end up in the same space 
and be like floating literally in space because yeah. the Earth's orbit. So the same thing would be true for any space travel mm-hmm. that it would have to be like time and space because otherwise yeah. you would end up at a place that you don't intend to interesting. end up in. Isn't that an interesting? That, it makes I a lot like, of sense. Of course yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. You don't think about it until someone says it and you're like, yeah, yeah no, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, I feel think, like there, there's some... There's some relation here. I can't draw it yet, but some relation here between this and the um, uh, what is what is the theory that you can uh, I can't remember, but you can either know how fast a particle is moving or its certain location at any given time, but never both. Isn't that the uncertainty principle or something? Something yeah. like that. But I feel like there's leave some leave it to the engineer to just <laughs> with that out. There's some parallelism there. I don't have the it's the, the links. Heisenberg uncertainty. Principle. Yes. Yeah, I forgot his name. Yeah, I knew I knew the Holy last two shit. words. <laughs> Anyways, you're saying. Um. Sorry, where was I? Uh, okay, yeah, so Enrico Fermi, yeah. So that dude, he was pretty smart. So obviously people are gonna listen to the things. So this idea has been around as early as pretty much, I don't know, all of time. Every, pretty much since the first human could see up in the sky and had the cognitive ability to think, hmm, is there something else other than me out there? You know, that's pretty much when we know that things out there. And, for hundreds of thousands of years, we have asked that question. So this is not a, I feel like our genetics are built around this. Mm-hmm. This isn't something mm-hmm. that's like, like technology, right? Technology, if we were without it, we would be okay. We would be completely fine and we could live without it. But, but our I feel genetics, like, we are hardwired for companionship. Mm-hmm. And so, like, automatically as humans, it's just like dogs, like, are hardwired to want human approval. Humans are hardwired to search for, like, companionship in other people and other things in dogs, uh, for my case. But um, so it would make sense because it really genuinely is in our DNA to look for something. Exactly. And as we become more of, like, Mm -hmm. a cohesive species, like, you know, I feel like humans are very much a collaborative, like, one mm-hmm. organism, if you think about it. Because it takes that to build what we have today, at least from what we have, right? So I think that once you have more of that, you're like, yo, what else is out there for mm-hmm. us, you know? So I think that that is very, very interesting. Um, this, like, a lot of people have ideas of why, you know, this happens. And a lot of them boil down to filters, Okay, great filters. Have you guys heard of that? Mm-mm. So a great filter is basically whatever in this lens, if we look at through this lens, is whatever prevents life to get where it needs to get to become this interstellar, you know, being, you know. Like, for example, there are multiple theories. Like, there, there are probably many filters, but it's about whether we have passed those filters or those filters are ahead of us, right? For example, life. Just how inconceivable it is to think that, I don't know, four billion years ago, right? It it was basically this non-living thing, a dead thing, you know? And so, and that created basically the self-replicating mechanism and then on top of that, it kept on building on top of that, on top of that. And then we had bacteria, we had eukaryotes, and then we have multicellular life, you know, and then increasing complexity on top of that, right? Like how each step along the way required a great deal of chance, a great deal of chance, luck, you know, and it wasn't that easy. Well, and are you saying that, like, right now we're in a very specific snapshot of time and, like, another planet might be any different snapshot? Exactly, yes. Yeah, like, we're there, like, we're not, like, our snapshots aren't aligning. Like, yeah. they're at a very specific point. And, like, maybe they're at the bacteria stage. Yeah. And then, like, so there is life, but they don't exactly have the capacity exactly. to, like, reach out to us. Whereas, or or we were in the bacteria stage when they did have the capacity yeah. to reach out to us, and now they've died. But so then there's also the concept. Snapshots. There's also the concept that uh, even if you know somebody's at a future point uh, than us, 
you know, the amount of time that it would take for some for somebody that far away, that many light years away to communicate with us would take uh, some inconceivable amount of time that it wouldn't reach us until obviously this entire generation is yeah. dead, but for thousands and thousands of years. And if you think we have only been a electromagnetic transmitting or like or like a radio transmitting civilization for about a hundred years. I am um... in the grand scheme of things. A hundred light years is not that many stars. It's mm-hmm. not nearly as many stars that we talked about. You know, it's probably hundreds, if not thousands. Mm-hmm. You know, nowhere but near it's that nowhere billion trillion exactly, that we need. You know, so it's easy to see, like, you know, why we haven't. The other thing I was reading is like, okay, so just as humans, like, mm-hmm. if the entire existence of Earth was consolidated yeah. down into one like year starting on January 1st ending December 31st mm-hmm. humans like it just homo sapiens like not even talking about like the invention of technology or anything we would show up around I think they said like 1256 um or I'm sorry 1156 p.m December 31st like in the grand scheme of things even humans have not been around that long. So, like, I mean, yes, the bacteria might have showed up, like, in August or something. I'm just throwing that yeah. one out. Mm-hmm. But, like, they, as humans, and not even talking about where we've gotten technologically or where we have yet to go, have been around for such a relatively, like, four minutes out yeah. of the entire year is essentially so how long we've been around. It's generally known that our Milky Way is... 10 billion years old but our solar system is only four and a half billion years old right so there's clearly something like okay so that's just a half the amount of time right for one area right and what there were so many chances that our planet could have had a civilization millions and millions of years before us that mm. was intelligent and communicated with space and we would never know. Yeah, you know, that does make sense. the Earth just churned everything over, you know, because we can detect things, we can pick up, we can, ar- you can use archaeological digs to find out things that are tens of thousands of years old, but like hundreds yeah, of man. millions of years, you know. Well, and like, even like deep sea exploration where most of that stuff would probably exactly. have ended up yeah. but, like way way closer to the core. Mm-hmm. We haven't even like We're really <laughs> Yeah, we've we've explored 2% of our oceans. That's it. 2%. <laughs> and like most of that, I mean, a large part of that is deep sea where a lot of that stuff maybe would end up. Yeah. We haven't even been able to touch. Sperm whales are closer than we are. Sperm whales are fantastic. I'm not, like, dissing them. I'm dissing us. <laughs> it's a diss on humans. Um, so, there's this book, and it's called um, it's Why Is There No One Out There? And Solutions to the Fermi Paradox. And it states 75 possible solutions. Okay, these are just only 75. Could be millions of possible solutions, obviously. You know, but... A lot, most of them boil down to three different categories. Okay, the first category is that very few civilizations like that ever arise to begin with, and mm-hmm. right, that's one of the the filters could be in the past or the future. Right, mm-hmm. for example, a future filter could be that once we do start communicating with an alien species, right. They'll just come and wipe us out. That's yeah. what I would do. So put us put us out of our misery. Yeah, and <laughs> you should see the president. <laughs> we'll take it. The second uh, group of which all these cases fall into is that they do exist, but we just don't know that, and we and we have no way of knowing that. Mm. Like you know, and we'll get into like a little bit of like you know specifics of like in a a second but um third is that our general collective lifespan life span as a civilization is very short you know like for example technology which we revel in it so much it's it might be that every single planet 
can get to that point, but technology becomes their end almost every single time, right? That is a very real possibility, right? Because if we don't see anyone else, you know, because they have had, they would have millions and billions of years of head start and we don't see any one of them, mm -hmm. right? Like they must be technologically advanced, you know? And if they had to have that and we don't see anyone, it's reasonable to assume that if you become technologically advanced, it is going to be to your own doom. It's like a Meet the Robinsons. What's or, or the Matrix is the probably more yeah. adult example. But in Meet the Robinsons, where the bowler hat, bowler hat starts dude. to run the world. No, the bowler hat dude is gone. But the bowler hat starts to run the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. So, one of the reasons. Now we're in speculation territory. Okay. I've been waiting for this. One of the reasons is... They're already here among us. Because like you guys could be aliens. The lizard and really, people. Really good at hiding it. The lizard people from, um, oh, it's not Journey to the South Center Park. of the Earth, but from South Park. No, it's from a book. <laughs> from South, South Park, Park got it from a book. It's not Journey to the Center of the Earth. It is, oh, what is it? Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, the lizard people from that one. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That they are all of our politicians and like all of the people who are in control, uh, the Illuminati, it, as it were, would be like this race of yeah. lizard people who believe themselves to be superior and are slowly and systematically wiping out us lower yeah. organisms. Oh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. If there's a dude who's ever looked more like a lizard, he looks like an animorph. Like he's stuck. He's in halfway. <laughs> he's like the cover. He's, he's the cover of the animorph book. He's Elon Musk, if you hear this, I love you. <laughs> Just not the way you look. That's just finish morphing, dude. Come just on. Just finish morphing. Listen, we'll accept you either way. Just, just complete the transformation. Don't be like Tobias and get stuck in the form. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, so. Area 51, you guys mm -hmm. have all heard of it, mm -hmm. you know. Or Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah, or any of, you know, the, yeah. Or DIA. Exactly, <laughs> look at this. We are, you know, getting in there. Uh, but, like, okay, I want to ask a specific, uh, more of a specific, do you guys think that aliens have ever been to Earth? Yes. In its entire lifetime, lifespan, yes. and like of four and a half billion years? I am... Fully in support of the theory that aliens helped build the pyramids and aliens are written about in the Bible. When they talk about fallen angels, I think they're actually talking about aliens yeah. who came, helped out for a little while, a theory, yeah. gave us a nice like little jump start. I do think that that's entirely conceivable. Like, do yeah. I think that Elon Musk is a lizard person? No, probably not. Um, so, as fun as that is. is he <laughs> did you know that... Uh, about so there's like times in like human history where things have just left est astronomically you know and maybe that's just because of like things lining up or it's could be because of outside help because you know it could be very easily be it could take them thousands of years to travel we have these very corporeal bodies and we have to you know we're gone after 80 years, and maybe for them, it's the universe like isn't like that, you know? Maybe for them, a thousand years is a week, mm. you know? Or, like, a day to them, you know? Wouldn't that be nice? I would want that, but um, only if Sparrow could also have that. <laughs> if the dogs could also have that, I, I would oh, want Oh, yeah, that would be horrendous if they couldn't. If they couldn't, oh I would be like, God. I've had him for an hour. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's dead. What do you mean? Um, oh, no. <laughs> Michael and Deb, do you guys think that aliens have ever been on uh, on Earth? I hijacked I, the question. <laughs> I think they've been here. I I don't know if they helped with the pyramids or not. I don't. They probably might have, or they're just like, hey, what stacks good? A triangle. I think one of those two things happened. <laughs> but they lined them up with the stars. That's why I think that there had they did to be do that. because it, they would have had to have advanced knowledge and have studied star maps over like years like years and years and years which i guess is entirely feasible but that coupled with the fact that everything was so heavy and that they're not they're like shit tombs they're not even actually really tombs yeah i'm, I'm very much shit. to support the theory that if you 
saw this ancient monument, okay? Like, for example, in Minecraft, okay? If I see an insane, like this NPC castle, because they've started like adding those, I am going to go there and I'm going to make it my own. Mm. I think it is a very real possibility that people saw that and started using it. You know what I mean? Maybe. That, yeah. I don't know. I am a firm believer that now we're getting into Egypt territory. I know. Uh, we'll make that your next episode. Yeah. Don't we'll do we'll have a one. completely different. I mean, I'll say this. I think the it. Egyptians were way smarter than anyone else in the world for their We'll time. have another entire how ancient got there, history. But they know, got there. Uh, session. I'm excited for the ancient history. Yeah. The yeah. session to come out. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, that it's a hard thing because there's the part of your mind that wants to reject the idea that aliens have been here already for any number of reasons. It could be one, you know, like what we've idealized a, uh, aliens to look like or to be or to exist like or to have their own agenda. It doesn't make sense that they would come here uh, intentionally, like try to leave no trace and then help with something, you know, seemingly insignificant or something, you know, that wouldn't have. Uh, traceable records to it uh, and then there's a side of it that's like okay well you know they're so technologically advanced there's a good chance that they uh, have chosen or, and you know academically advanced that they've chosen to not leave a trace to leave us things like uh, books literature um, you know blueprints things like of that nature that we can draw conclusions ourselves from uh, and then there's also the theory that like yeah they're they're so advanced that they've gone as far as to have incredible uh, technological advancements like invisibility cloaks and things like that that would allow them to intervene uh, on Earth without uh, leaving a trace or maybe something that allows them to look the same as similar, you know, life forms or, you know, translate their speech. I mean, we have things to translate our speech uh, from one language to another with only like a limited amount of uh, technology that we have right now. So think anything like that, that would allow them to come here, be among us and to, you know, push us forward advancement wise or, uh, technologically or something like that. Who really knows? It's too hard to say. Um, I, I don't, I don't have a good opinion on that. I like to follow some of the theories that say like we, we've missed each other, like ships in the night so far, but it's really hard to, to pick a side on this. So I'm How, just here for the ride. I'm, I'm talking about in its entire history. I'm not talking about just our history. Yeah. I'm talking about over the four billion years. Let's not talk about the our Earth. Probably wasn't even special then. I'm just talking about the solar system. Do you think that an alien or what we what we consider alien is very weird. I think what I think what aliens would be would be something completely unfathomable. I think that that's what it would be. They would be to us. But something with the capacity to live and learn, you know, or something in that around that. Do you think that's ever visited the solar system? Again, I think it's ships in the night. I think that with, solar system. Yeah. I think that with the limited distance uh, or the limited amount of technological advancement that you can okay. make over a certain amount of time with the amount of time that the, this Earth has existed, the distance between this Earth and other habitable yeah. planets uh, and the amount of time that it takes to get to a point where you can be technologically advanced enough to live, to learn, to travel, yeah. and to gather information, I think it's very possible that it still ships in the night. But yeah. that's just my thought. I would very much like to believe that there are things out there. I and don't think we've already been visited, but I would, like when you're talking like in the history of the solar system, I'm pretty sure they might have done what we did and just sent a probe out, just like through the solar system to see what we can find in other solar, system, yeah. solar systems. I feel like they did that with ours before we were able to even know what it was. So and there's this went, really dark theory as well that um, the reason that we haven't experienced contact from extraterrestrial is because there's something else in the universe that is very dark uh, and is actively hunting living civilizations and other 
life forms are smart enough to know about it, but yeah. not us. So we're like, here's our telescope. Here's our space station. Like, please Here's us come just find sending us. out signals into space about exactly. who we are and what we do. Exactly. You know? Here's our time capsule. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, no, we got enough nukes. We're good. Dude, I, I don't know. All I'm saying <laughs> yeah, is we, we that... We can't that even the, master nuclear fusion. That the okay. remainder, or that the other life forms are smart enough to know about it, are far enough along in their history to know of that, and to be not trying to make themselves identifiable, not make themselves found. Um, I always picture it as like a... Um, Autobots versus Decepticons. Like the Autobots, sure, it could be all around, but they're trying to like not make themselves found because the Decepticons blew up their home planet and they're now trying to like ravage any signs of life in the galaxy. And that's what like essentially the theory is that we're just like the ones that aren't far enough along in our history, aren't advanced enough um, with our technology to know about any of that, but there is something actively hunting live yeah like life sources one of the reasons is that there is something that the galaxy is far more dangerous than mm-hmm. we think it is that there is something that's one of the great filters that i talked to you about mm. that it could be an alien species so michael do you remember that i talked to you about the show picard yes do you remember the ending of that show i do not i don't want to spoil too much but it was basically sort of like that. Once you get to a certain point, an interdimensional entity just comes and just wipes you out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I so, think it's so dark, but so interesting. Exactly, right? <laughs> I like that theory yeah. a lot, though. Yeah. They, you know, I think that's... I love it. That we're yeah. probably the only people, or the only ones, like, reckless enough and, to be and, like... I want us to go back and think about that we're just really talking about the Milky Way. Okay. Mm. Like, these numbers are like, you know, two trillion galaxies. And that is an insane amount of stars. Okay? Yeah. That's like more, like, trillion, trillion planets, possible planets. I don't think anything past like a thousand my mind can comprehend. Like, and. Period. <laughs> A million is just a lot, and I'm like, beyond that, I'm like, it's just a lot. It's a, a big lot. number. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and and you can see that, you know, like, as a humanity, I think that we all should, I think, I don't know, evolve to a higher level of no, not really, but it's it's not meant for us. As in, like, at least right now, it's not mm. meant for us. Going out there is difficult. And finding, trying to find things out like this is extremely hard. So, and, and if you just think about the engineering it took to even observe these things is marvelous. Like, these telescopes, people decided to fund these things. Elected officials decided to fund these things while they probably would have never seen a penny in return. You know, at least in their terms, right? Which is impressive that it took that and they made this. And that's why it's important to vote. (laughs) (laughs) So, in, uh, so there's, uh, a James Webb telescope. I don't know. Have you guys heard of that? Yes. Yeah, it's kind of. So, James Webb telescope is this telescope that NASA is launching. You know, one that's the proposed date is 2021, you know, so I'm pretty sure they're done working on it and they're like, you know, but it's supposed to be the most powerful telescope we have ever built and sent to space. It is supposed to be a hundred times more powerful than Hubble on entry, you know, so Mm -hmm. think about how much better it can get over time. Yeah, with enough software and, you know, with enough like repairs and enough upgrades like so. We are trying to get there. So like we are trying to spread out. We're trying to find out. We are choosing to look up there and reach up there. Right. 
for hundreds and thousands of years. We didn't have the ability, like, you know, and nor did we want, to, like, we wanted to, but like, we just, like I said, we didn't have the ability, right? And now that we do, I think it is very important that I think everyone be at least in support of it, you know? And I get that for most people, this is not, this is a very foreign concept, right? Why should I care about what happens up there? But I think it's very much that affects everyday life. Us learning more about this helps us guide us into the future, right? What it is that we decide to do. Like these filters, they aren't arbit like they're, we sort of take them as, you know, arbitrary filters, right? But they could be very well real things that we can prevent. One of the filters is nuclear extinction. If we make this planet inhabitable within the next few generations, we are going to be doomed. Uninhabitable. Uninhabitable. Sorry. Yeah. And so have you heard of the Kardashev scale? Have you guys heard no, of it? No. So the Kardashev scale is this uh, scale meant up by this, I think it was a sci-fi writer uh, or I don't know, regardless. So there's types of civilizations. Type one, type two, type three. Okay. And type one civilization has mastered how to harness all of the energy of its given planet. Okay. So for example, for us, it would be, you know, we're completely energy efficient, or like at least we try to be, we're not in, we're not overpopulating or we're not over polluting the earth, you know, beyond no measure, you know, so like in harmony with your own planet, you know, type two is in harmony with your own solar system. And this is, have you guys heard of Dyson spheres? No. So think about a giant solar panel around the sun. And now think about how much energy could harvest off of that did you know that if you take all all of the earth sun's energy that's like that shines on to earth and if you put that if you convert that to energy for the human race we could use that for a year one hour mm -hmm. and that's only on earth from so far away now imagine a solar panel on the sun itself it is would be the one the greatest engineering task you could overtake in the solar system. Could one orbit around the sun instead? I feel like that would be easier than placing one on the sun. It would be orbiting, like okay. technically, like like you would start in an orbit right up on the sun. <laughs> That's what I was like. It'd you would go start up in flames yeah. immediately. You would start in an orbit around the sun, mm -hmm. right? And you're not tr you're not trying to be as that close to the sun either. You're trying to be rotating in an orbit. Imagine that you're building a shell you know, from outside in, you know, and you're trying to harness the energy of the sun and you're trying to use it for your own use, right? Like we consider civilizations advanced on pretty much how much energy they use, right? Like US, one of the reasons why it's so up there is because of the energy use, energy use and energy supply, right? We never have ever had to think about, think twice about where we can find energy. Most countries don't have that, right? And we use so much. Now imagine that, you know, back in like 200 years ago, right? Not like one, I don't know, one, nothing today. It would break the circuit if you went back like 50 years, right? If you took like a laptop back 50 mm. years, the circuit would just probably break right then, you know? Huge so, data warehouses used to be used to hold like 256 gigs. And now I just have like a little micro SD yeah, card that exactly. fits into my switch yeah. with that much space on it. Mm -hmm. So um, the Kardashev scale type three is a civilization that has learned to control its galaxy or at least travel it. So if we get to a type one civilization, you know, or we can get start getting beyond, that means that we can ensure that if something happens to Earth, we're going to be in the rest of the solar system. It's it said that we're currently around like 0.79 on the scale itself, you know, so we're like, we're doing okay, but we're not, we're, we have a long way to go. 
I think there needs to be a lot more um, investment into renewable resources because I would not count like mining for fossil fuels or uh, oil. I would not count any of that as like being in harmony. So we would have to look at like renewable resources and making those like the primary method, which other countries are. America just isn't. Yeah. You're right that we haven't had to think twice, but we are still um, using non-renewable resources at an exorbitant rate. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's crazy compared to other. I mean, there are wind turbines, wind farms here, but like there are countries running off of like 90 percent solar energy at the moment. Countries Mm -hmm. doing that. Um, And we like haven't even really. I mean, we have maybe a couple buildings doing it and that's it. Yeah. I've, I've designed, I think I've only designed like three solar system, mm-hmm. like solar panel fields. Yeah. And they're all in like Virginia for like weird small companies. I'm like, why aren't big companies doing this more? Big companies, we should do it in our house. Like yeah. houses should do it. Neighborhoods should do it. Like yeah, communes, I think so. I think, they yeah. should do it. Nudist colonies should do it. <laughs> I'm in favor of everybody. I think the, I think it's, panels. it costs more up front, but I think if you use it, it gets paid off within 10 years, and then you're just saving money for us. That, I believe, is what they say the payoff is. Well, and doesn't it save, like, almost immediately? Like, we would have to... It starts to save immediately. I'm saying, like, the initial investment, mm-hmm. you get all that money back within a few years. But you start saving sense. month to month. It's just if you have saved up for that initial investment, you're good to go. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you start getting your money back. So, one of the other possible solutions is that we just don't know how to communicate with them. It's, have you guys seen Arrival? Yes. So, how bizarre those beings are. And how bizarrely they communicate. Right? Now, think about that. I don't think that humans could have figured that shit out. I don't, like, humans are smart. But deciphering and language that you know nothing about in such a short amount of time would be close to impossible with all the computer processing power that you could possibly. I, I disagree. I think if, if it was a simple like language, like two dimensional language, more or less, you know, where it's, it's quite literally the symbols have direct meaning. It doesn't matter like how far off of like any known language it is. I think that would be easy to decipher that wouldn't take long. It would take months, but and when you go to the what arrival is, and this is, I guess, a spoiler, but when they're talking about it in three dimensions, it's a three dimensional or four dimensional, I should say, four dimensional um, language where, you know, they're they're speaking with the concept of time in mind that there's no way that not only would we not be able to comprehend that, we absolutely would not be able to decipher that. I agree oh, with that. Yeah. 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 Unless unless Amy Adams wants but, but, to do right? it for us. But that's the strangest <laughs> of our imagination. And I think a lot of the times when we've looked into space, we've realized that fact is in fact stranger than fiction. So maybe we haven't seen the aliens out there, but there's no reason to believe that they're not out there. You know, there's no reason to believe that what they are is a complete different thing from what we would expect them to be. And I want to bring up something, just a quick snippet to think about. Humans and I guess most life forms on Earth, but specifically humans for this purpose, have such a limited range of visible frequencies that they can see and audible frequencies that you can hear. Such a unbelievably limited range that there is uh, a crazy possibility that there are things that exist uh, that you could see in a different uh, visible range, that you could hear in a different audible range, that we are not able to comprehend, understand, capture, uh, not only with our senses, but with the technology we have right now. So do you know why the James Webb telescope is going to be so good? No. Because it uses the infrared spectrum. Ah, I see. So it is a different sense of light. Things in infrared would look completely different in space. It's like putting on a new lens. It's looking at things through a different meaning. Things that are there wouldn't appear. Things that wouldn't be there start to appear, right? There's radio astronomy. Have you guys heard of that? So you guys know that in the electromagnetic spectrum, like Kevin said, right, that there's light. And then as you go further back, you know, the increasing wavelengths, you get to radio waves. 
So radio waves are the same thing as light. Okay, so what if you could see the night sky through a radio telescope? You know, instead of a visible light telescope, which we normally, you know, any telescope is, what if it looks at radio signals? And you guys have seen like uh, the famous map or like the map of the universe, right? The red, green, and it's in like the oval shape, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That is a radio background like mapping of the universe. People have made an x-ray mapping of the universe now, very recently, actually, you know. So these are like, so they decided to make an infrared telescope, which they found out would work best, you know, and they're putting it in space. And it's going to be basically like the next level of astronomy, you know, that's that it's going to usher in. Because when Hubble was launched, it ushered in such a huge like flow of information, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, it's a brand new instrument, right? Like if you had the microscope, think about the, the number of things you could see in the water with the with, that you could well, have with the naked eye. Exactly, right? Those you know, little, so those little boys. And to think about the technological revolution that it would bring on, right? And I think that that the same thing is going to be, happen with the James Webb Telescope, you know? And that's, I think, would be a whole another, like, you know, like, talk about telescopes all day long, okay? Another one, another possible solutions to the Fermi Paradox is that they really don't give a shit about us. Like, we're the ants. Yeah. Yeah. How could an ant, like, if you walk by a hill, okay, you, and you see an anthill, most people, are not going to fuck with the anthill, okay? Most people are going to see that anthill and it's like, huh, cool anthill, I'll see you later. I'll never see you again in my entire life. Because it's so inconsequential exactly. to their periphery. Mm-hmm. Right? For them, they don't even notice. You don't notice the microbe, you know, that you're about to eat with your food and that's going to get dissolved in your stomach, right? Mm. So Microbes on my food. <laughs> Yummy. Extra flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Extra, extra protein. Yeah. Else. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, that's one of the reasons. Another one is that we are as good as the universe can make. I that sure hope not. <laughs> no. Oh, I sure hope not. That Dogs <laughs> are as good as a universe can make. We are They're trash. They're in our civilization, or you know. Dogs should be our overlord. Then, <laughs> if we were truly evolved, we would just let it happen. We'd have Sparrow as king. The Sparrow would be a fantastic king. <laughs> so another one is that our level of thinking isn't bound to happen. Our level of reasoning, our level of tenacity to escape our gravity well with an enormous amount of energy harvested from millions of people's work, you know, is just not, you know, it's not going to be the the norm, you know, when you look out there. You know, it might be that bacteria, you know, even like simple life form, even there's whales out there, you know, like whale type of fish or in the sea, right? then but they have you know like they don't have any reason to do any of this they're generally pretty content i i don't know how far i would go to believe that exclusively if we're following the theory that there's you know filters that you pass through because the express purpose of life uh the express uh i guess you could call it goal of a living organism from as small as bacteria to something like humans is survival so baseline the reason that life exists is because something figured out how to multiply its cells to uh a point where it would be able to sustain worse and harsher conditions etc etc go on and on and then you have uh things from the ocean evolved into amphibians into things that live on land and then humans so uh i'd say that another part of survival is is looking down the line uh and figuring out what uh, is the inevitable that's going to happen and how can we avoid it 
and space travel seems like the next step from there. So I think that falls into a filter theory, but I, I think that that's just the base mm. uh, interest in survival. Well, I mean, what you're saying makes sense because even if you're completely content, happy on your planet and have become, you know, level one in harmony with all the resources on your planet, um, ultimately we still revolve around a star and you still understand that stars explode. And so you still understand that you have to either die there or get out before your star explodes. That's like all we're trying to do is just figure out some other place to go before our star explodes. And like it doesn't factor in how happy we are here, how not happy we are here. It's more just about like, okay, well, we can do this for right now. But eventually our star is going to explode because we know that that's what stars do. That's yeah. their whole game. And so I, I think I agree with Kevin that that's not like even if you're completely happy, content, like, you know, living in the best planet in the whole universe. Yeah. At the end of the day, your star is still going to explode and you would want to find another planet to make yeah. habitable. Because it's not about current contentment, it's about future not wanting to blow up. But then I guess there's also the option that, and this would probably be a lot harder, but that life forms on other planets have decided to take a uh, more defensive approach where they say, how do we protect our planet? How do we harvest enough energy so that way if uh, a star explodes, we can have an atmosphere that would be able to um, sustain that type of uh, either trauma to the planet or... Uh, that the different types of uh, harsh conditions that would be experienced, but that would basically involve creating a planet-sized bubble. I mean, I don't know how feasible any of that is. That would we just be. We are the star now. <laughs> you just create a bubble around your planet. You're like, that's our sun. I have no idea how any of that would work. Well, because I think you could move lot. an entire planet. That's fair. That might be. I mean, again, Big there's other ways that this could be. It's basically just a spaceship whirling yeah. through space. Yeah. But you just need enough energy. Ultimately, um, I think part of like critical conditions for life to happen does involve distance from the sun and having a sun. Yeah. Because a lot of like even photosynthesis comes from not synthetic light, at least for the most part, comes from solar light. Like uh, everything that is a life force comes from the sun, essentially. And so I don't know. Even if there is, like, a way to manufacture that, it would have to be fueled by something that would also need to be renewable, which would be the sun. mm -hmm. Like... So, for the longest time, scientists believed that every single ounce of energy came from the sun and living things. But did you know that uh, deep water geothermal vents proved otherwise? Mm. Did you know that we actually, that's a very recent thing. Like, I'm talking this decade thing. Like, we speculated that there could be deep water, like, you know, like thermal events. But we never actually visited one. And we never saw life against one. Well, I 100% so, believe that because we've only explored 2% of our oceans. Exactly. Yeah. And we're learning new things about the origin. We always thought that we were evolved off of the energy of the sun but now we're finding out that things at the bottom of our oceans can exist right mm-hmm. so traditionally like you know even i mentioned earlier that we're talking about the goldilocks zone right that the, the zone where water can be in a liquid state and it's you know either not evaporated or it's frozen in the poles right and where the temperature is just good enough where you know like self-replicating molecules can have their way with the environment around them, right? So, um, well, yeah, so uh, life, yeah. So it can happen in different ways, right? Like geothermal mm-hmm. events, right? So I think that... Without a sun, oh, there's a manufactured way to have energy. Exactly. So but... that expands the type of planets and the things we look for in life mm. in the universe as well, right? We're no longer restricted to... The zones of you know what we expected we could look at moons of planets mm. right like jupiter because of its intense radioactivity and because of its tidal forces it keeps its moon 
you know, tidally locked with it. And because it does that, it literally adds energy into the ice by shifting it. And because of that, there's a layer of water under the ice, you know. And if that's happening, you could easily believe that there are geothermal vents down there, you know, mm -hmm. that could support life. You know? But the, the scale of life, who knows? You know? Right. But it's just the possibility of it being out there. Even in our own solar system is fantastic, right? But I think that there are two possible things. Either there is life out there, either or there is no life out there. And both of them are equally interesting and equally terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way to ways, there's no two ways around it. And this is up there. This is what we can see. Literally, we can see up there. You know, we can know that space exists. You know, we know that these things exist. So I think it's just a matter of time before we get there. You know? Before we get there and find an answer. Yeah. To our question. Hopefully. Oh, sorry. To the question of whether or not extraterrestrial life exists in the universe. I yeah. think I think it has to. I think yeah, I think it's I'm I'm hundred percent sure that there is life. I just don't know how advanced that life is. Right. Mm. I think that's why I subscribe to that. It's like a don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> a planet of hamsters. <laughs> So I'm a whole. Oh my God! Up. Yes, <laughs> if we right. find a planet of hamsters, That's we're going. <laughs> I like that idea. Hamster planet. planet. If it's a no, planet of furbies, we're burning it. Horrifying. We're burning that alive. Oh man! Oh, wow. wow, that was a great, great topic, Dev. <laughs> so, on a totally uh, separate day, well, too. <laughs> last fact I want to add is: think about every single grain of sand on every single beach on earth you could imagine it deserts included deserts and oceans okay, that included everything. that changes everything there are 10,000 stars for every grain of sand on earth that is an incalculable amount mm. and you know just leaving you off with that Fact that's gonna make you feel just a little bit tinier you know hopefully a lot tinier because if you only feel a little bit tinier you are way too full of yourself yeah keep your ego in check boo bitch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all added our own words yeah that's uh that's wild we are tiny for sure and there's a lot uh a lot out there that can make you feel almost overwhelmed by how little we know, how little we can see, how little we can hear, how little we know is out there, and how little we want to learn on the, for the most part, which is wild. But what's really, like, truly amazing to me is even though we are all so insignificant in the grand scheme of things, I still very personally have a very vested interest in my own life and my <laughs> own path. And like, there's like this little dynamic that exists with every single person is just as actively invested in their lives as I am that like we can be as insignificant as we are and still be entirely complex made up of, you know, all these stories, wants, desires. Jackie, can you? Thank you. Wants, desires, <laughs> yeah. passions, loves, all of that, and even still have all of that contained in this little tiny, tiny infinitesimal. Makes me wonder if atoms are out there having like social lives. If they, because our world is made up of like just an incalculable amount of atoms, and like, what if they're just they have their own little passions? They're going to little atom college, and <laughs> I wonder how atoms know, party if they, they have party. their own little atom doggies. Like they, it makes you wonder if they have atom something doggies. going on. I want an atom doggy. You might have you a bunch can of have atom one. Doggies. You probably have a lot. Like Who knows? Those. Their own little atom thoughts. Because that's essentially, I mean, on the grand scheme of things, how small we are, if not smaller. And yet, I still feel the this universe overwhelming is a very relative place. Just because, in, just because it's there, you, there is something bigger than you doesn't mean that you don't matter. At well, least there's something bigger than me, but there's also lots of things smaller than me. Exactly. Me and it's from important, 10 years ago. It's important to remember that we are more important than a lot of things. 
Way to, keep, way to keep that ego in check. <laughs> the bigger you are, the more important you are, am I right? The bigger you are, only, the bigger you are. <laughs> only Michael and Dev would be able to speak to that since Kevin and I are both relatively uh, short. Anyways, we could talk about space for days, Forever, and I'm probably. sure Dev will come at us with another space-related topic next time. He is our, our resident space, uh, not an expert. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And just to give you kind of a sense, hopefully you're getting this from our our episodes, but, you know, there's no one subject that we really want to land on. We just want to give a good amount of variety. So if there's something uh, that you really love and want us to do more of, uh, we probably will, and you don't need to say anything. True. I'm just kidding. You can say something, though. (laughs) And you can email us at notanexpertpod at gmail.com or hit us up on our Instagram or our Twitter. We will throw it up somewhere, somehow. You'll see our logo or our beautiful faces on one of them, you'll find us, but worst case scenario, you know where to email us at. Uh, We definitely have a lot to talk about. Uh, We definitely know very little about a lot of things, so it's a lot of fun to just uh, ramble, and I hope you guys enjoy our rambling week to week. So, anyways. So, now uh, time for our thank yous. <laughs> Thank you to uh, my siblings, um, people from work. Uh, I still don't think my parents have listened. That sucks for them. Uh, anybody additional who's listening, hopefully the other three have sent this out to some people that we know. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for staying tuned. We will talk to you guys next week. This is not an expert podcast. Hey. Yep. That was yeah. nice. There we something. go. I um so the I did not anticipate that